0: Get ready for Solomon's Hey, giving the glory to God Yeah, you're hanging with Jason and Sean Get ready for Solomon's Uh, keeping it real, keeping it relevant Hey, come hang with the squad Ay. Hey, let's talk about it, talk about it. CHA should a movie scene. Got a lot of questions, thrown in the air from the east to the west and everywhere in between. off uh, let's get it, let's get it. We going in. You ain't heard about Solomon's where you been. Sit back and relax with a cup of Joe. Here we go. I'll uh, let
1: the show begin. Yeah, what is yeah. up, everybody? Welcome yeah. back to Solomon's Porch with your host Jason.
2: Is this thing on? No. It is on. It is on. Oh, there you are. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 I'm here, sir. I'm here, sir.
2: Do, do I look okay? I, I haven't checked in the mirror. You look
1: very purtiful today, sir. No no boogies hanging or nothing. No, I got a couple of stray hairs coming out of your nose. uh Oh, yeah. well, we'll, we'll show those back <laughs> up in there. Anyway, man, okay. welcome back to the porch. Uh, got a lot oh, of Oh, dude, s- you started? Yeah. Oh, man, we're going to have to start all over now. Uh, Sure, let's start all over from right now. So today on the show, we're going to be discussing uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of new stuff. We have uh, WandaVision, the newest episode, episode 8 just aired, and uh, we got the finale coming up next week. So hopefully we'll do a review on that. But we're going to give our predictions because I think there's a lot of things that people are expecting and hoping for. And I don't know if they could squeeze all of that in the finale. So we're going to discuss that. Also, there's a lot of Marvel stuff, Disney stuff coming up. And uh, we're going to discuss those briefly. Talk about the um, possibility of Amber Heard getting fired from Aquaman 2. And the new Spider-Man title. Uh, A lot of Superman-ish news. And a lot of music news. So a lot of stuff coming up. Let's let's try to condense it best we can without rambling on. Before we jump into it though, I do want to thank true strength apparel.com. Head over to true strength apparel and support what Aaron Simpkins has going on over there. A lot of great stuff. And I gotta say, man, he, he does a lot of things behind the scenes that people just don't know. I don't think any of our listeners can appreciate, but he's got a, a very big heart and he's a very giving person. And so I would put him down as a sponsor regardless. Uh, Either way, just because it's an awesome company and he is an awesome guy. So, Aaron, thank you for all you do, sir, representing the kingdom. Now, let's jump into the news. So, WandaVision. Yeah. Slower episode, but a deeper episode with a big bang at the end. What what, what were your thoughts on that?
2: Well, so, um, what are we? We're up to number eight right now yeah okay so uh we didn't really discuss seven seven was a good layup i think two eight um it was a solid uh episode um eight definitely uh fills out things a lot more so you know we get agnes who who is uh or sorry agatha who has um finally revealed herself at the end of seven uh, going into eight, we get um, a lot more background of of her, um, and I feel like the show is is trying to move more in the direction of comic book canonizing um, within the MCU, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I think a lot of hardcore comic book fans are are going to be very pleased with that. Um, I, you know, we start to see that. Um, you know, the how um, Agatha has been um, orchestrating things kind of behind the scenes uh, where we weren't sure how much uh, sword was at play with what was going on. Uh, We get some big reveals with Vision, also um, with Wanda's uh, code name, I guess you could say. Technically, it's a code name within Uh, the comic book universe but uh, Agatha kind of you know bequeaths this uh, name unto her and um, it it seems like it's a name that uh, originates from some other kind of mythical historical witchcraft context so when she gets her name Scarlet Witch uh, the way she presents it is that it's kind of like you are the Scarlet Witch like as if she's the Messiah kind of concept, you know, Oh, you were the foretold
1: Scarlet witch.
2: Yeah. Um, and so that remains to be seen, but uh definitely looks that way.
1: Well, and if you recall in the episode, whenever they were showing her kind of interacting with the, uh, the, the infinity stone and it showed that vision, that's the future her, that's like the comic book accurate vision of her. Uh, which right. has like the, the helmet-looking thing, which she had as part of her Halloween costume. And so it was cool to see that being exposed. And then at the end of the episode, we get white vision. Now, in the comic books, for anybody who might not know or haven't watched any other type of videos talking about it, in, in the comic book, he was put back together kind of in the same way of this. Like, he died, he brought him back, and he was completely... Wiped of his memory. He had no idea who he was. His relationship with Wanda was non-existent. It was just blank canvas vision. And so we're all assuming that this is what this is going to be. So he looks down at his hand for a second there like, oh, wow, I got a body. And so it's completely stripped of anything. And uh, how many, what, $6 billion, she said? was was the, <laughs> the value. <laughs> Either way, you, 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 we, we know now what his original intentions were. We know that the vision inside of the hex is not real at all. It's completely a, a created... Well, I'm not saying it's not real. It was a completely created from scratch vision that Wanda put together. And so we're still not entirely clear on all of the things that she has going on in her little realm there on whether or not it can exist period outside. Because if you recall in the when Vision was he walked out of the hex and all of his pieces were starting to slowly glide back in there. I'm guessing it's because it was originated in the hex, but anything that went into the hex as a real thing and then is taken out of the hex, those things can continue to exist but
2: doesn't negate the possibility that what she created could somehow join with um, white vision or some people are calling him zombie vision Mm. um, as opposed to the legit white vision uh, character from the comic books. Um, So, you know, there's some good possibilities there, you know, um, getting back to, to Agatha, I felt like that this was the Agatha episode. You know, we we got so much of her. She's trying to play uh, Wanda through um, how she got to this point, how she got to the point of 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 creating this uh, alternate reality, and um, w- which was really kind of neat. And in the comic books, Agatha is really more of a mentor to uh, Scarlet Witch as opposed to an uh, just straight antagonist. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens here because, of course, at the end um the post-credit scene we get a or mid-credit scene um we see sword utilizing one of the drones that they had sent in Mm -hmm. but had been kicked back out still having some of wanda's energy surrounding it to help give life to this vision's old body and um you know, if this vision is being sent in to take out Wanda, maybe Agatha and Wanda team up and make amends, kind of thing. I, I don't know. You know, Wanda's forgiven people for, you know, quite a bit of stuff, but you know, choke holding your kids—that's kind of rough.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the question is exactly why does Agatha want? this power? Why does she want to learn how to use it? Is it to yeah. bring in Mephisto or bring Mephisto back? You know, cause a lot of people, I, I saw one spoilerish thing that I won't necessarily mention, but it did regard Mephisto. And by spoiler, I mean, I won't mention the actor that is somewhat being portrayed according to the source. And, and I think it's the same source that you go by. And, uh, but either way, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, as far as predictions for the finale. There's so many things that I was hoping they were really going to weave in there I feel like they have to either bring in uh a more or uh I can't remember his name Mordo from Dr Strange uh the the guy who was going around trying to take away all the magic from the magic users because there's way too many magic magic users or sorcerers so I think okay. he might show up I th- to me that I would actually enjoy that better than Dr Strange showing up that might sound weird for people, because then, now you have him coming in, trying to take the magic from Wanda and Agatha, and then you got Vision, and I know he wouldn't show up as like a, and just fight a battle in the finale, however, something might happen where either, you know, Vision finally dies, the the the, the body, they take it out or whatnot, Wanda somehow transforms it, takes control of it because they share the same bit of energy that came from the same stone, although the current Vision, the white Vision, doesn't really share that energy, but it was created using it, so somehow there might be something connected there. Uh, But either way, though, I'd love to see him pop up and be like another antagonist at the very end, and then somehow that lead into... uh, Dr. Strange 2. I do think that Vision is going to be gone after this. I think he's done. I don't think they're going to bring him back. That is my prediction. As far as mutants go, they might mention the word because we do know that she had these powers from childhood and that the stone didn't give her the powers. It kind of amplified it in a way. Amplified. Yep. So she is essentially a mutant, officially. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I don't know. That Those are kind of my biggest things. Uh, anything... I didn't mention that you might expect on this finale. Well, I, I, am gonna, I'm gonna go a little
2: bit different. Um, okay. I, I think the vision is gonna come back. I think that the vision she's created is going to uh, inhabit uh, the zombie vision, um, and I think that that's going to be done by Doctor Strange. I, I think he's gonna come at the end. Um, I think that we're gonna get a struggle between. Uh, Wanda and Agatha in terms of, um, you know, the, their initial conflict. Obviously, she's holding Wanda's uh, um, boys hostage right now. But Vision's going to come in. Uh, Zombie Vision's going to come in. And they're going to team up together uh, to try to defeat them. But ultimately, Doctor Strange is going to swoop up in the end and kind of help fix things. Um, and And patch up their relationship to be able to try to create this um a, 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 a relationship of mentorship because it, you know again we get that from the comics um Wanda's chaos magic um which really was kind of neat because of course it's been called chaos magic uh in the comics um we saw some of that sort of um, being uh, alluded to when the uh, Vision's boss and wife came over for dinner, and the wife is in there saying, you know, repeating chaos several times yeah. um, when Wanda's burned the chicken. So, you know, it's we, we understand that her magic is raw and uh, a natural mutant ability, but she's got to have someone to be able to help her, guide her through um, molding and shaping. Uh, control over of what this is. And so I think the part of that's going to be Dr. Strange to kind of step in, encourage that relationship and get that fixed. And I think the vision's going to come back uh, to us. Um, the mindstone, I mean, who's to say you know how the mindstone really works and what kind of residual effects there are? Um, because obviously it, Im- it imbued power to Wanda to begin with. And if it can be residual to be able to bring Vision's body back to life, um, yeah. I mean, there's no telling what it, you know, what else it can do. Yeah. So I, I think that we're going to see that. I think we're going to see um, uh, Monica come back in, of course. Uh, she's going to play a big role. I think that the current director is going to get nixed. And so Monica's going to take over S.W.O.R.D. And take it into the right direction, so that way we can have a solid spin-off there. Um, you know, there's so much exciting stuff going on right now. I think that um, you know, one it can go in, in a billion different ways, but so much of it is um, setting us up for more. And you know that that's going to happen because that that's that's classic MCU at this point in time. So
1: yeah, I do think we're going to see Vision versus Vision and Wanda versus Agatha. And there is, there's a cameo, and again, it could be the Mephisto, but Benedict was it? Ben? No, 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 no. Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, he actually said that he was able to share the screen with a character he hadn't shared the screen with before, and he was very excited, and it was a, a great experience doing so. So, a lot of people hmm. are trying to figure out: is this MCU character that already exists, and that's where Doctor Strange comes in because they've never been on screen together in the MCU. Uh, as far as uh, Paul Bettany and Benedict Cumberbatch. Because in Infinity War, they weren't on the same screen, and he wasn't an end game at all. So huh. we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. I'm excited to see it. I am excited about it. Uh, I'm working next week, so I'm going to have to come home and make sure my wife has some time to go ahead and watch it before I go to bed, or I might have to watch it at work and then just watch it with her later on, uh, depending mm-hmm. on how it goes. So that's our thoughts on WandaVision and the uh, <laughs> our predictions. Let's go to some other news, bro. All right, so uh,
2: Kingstone Comics, who we are, uh, have a partnership with, has released a, a new comic, 101 Questions, Volume 6. Um, it, it's really cool. It's good for, it's especially good for kids, obviously, uh, who have questions about uh, faith and religion uh, and questions about the Bible. And so it, it approaches uh, those kinds of questions and, and helps to illustrate them literally. Um, so that that way, uh, young readers can can get good, solid uh, theological answers. So check that out. Um, also, they have a big announcement that they say coming up next week. So one week from the day of this recording, uh, and today's what the twenty sixth. So, um, but it's an Easter announcement. So I don't know. Well, we'll have to wait and see what's coming. Uh, what's coming out? Um, we have some release dates. Uh, that have been announced by Disney. Uh, Bad Batch. I have to say this has probably excited me more than maybe (laughs) it ought to have in general. But, um, you know, I'm not super crazy about it being, you know, the uh, animated Bad Batch. I was hoping for a live-action Bad Batch, but even still, it's it's dropping May 4th. I mean, come on, right? It has to.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: but they hadn't said it, you know what I mean? So it, it just it feels good to say, "Yes, thank you." you know. right. Um, also, uh, Loki, Loki, uh, they announced is coming out June 11th. So I'm we excited have solid for this. dates
1: for both of those.: Yeah, Loki, I feel like is going to be a fun. Event. Like, like Wanda vision has been interesting, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's been fun. Uh, some of it has. Uh, I guess it depends on who you are. I feel like Loki is going to be a very fun series. And,
2: well, you know, Wanda has been fun. Wanda this has been fun when you're talking about the TV show aspect of it. Even though I was, you know, very critical of the first two episodes, and I still stand by that. Um, it's been fun to be able to have that interplay. And then when you've got Darcy and, and Wu uh, playing in there, there's still lots of fun aspects to it all. So, yeah, I, I and, and Loki's got to have some seriousness to it. It's got to have some drama.
1: Yeah. It's going to have some, I, I think the part for me, that's exciting is seeing the different versions of them that are going yeah. to pop up. You know, you, you even get a, a, a female version, you get all these different, you know, just different depictions of the Loki character. And I'm just I'm curious to see if they're gonna bring who they're gonna bring in into so it, whether Thor's gonna make an appearance. I mean, you feel like at some point he's gotta be invoked. <laughs> so I'm,
2: I'm I'm curious to see if, if they're gonna have Tom in drag playing Loki for the female Loki. Mm,
1: I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. But either way, uh, you know, <laughs> thumbs up. I'm I'm excited for it. And I'm I'm yeah. curious to see what they're gonna do with it. And uh know Noah Wilson, I'm an Owen Wilson fan, so I don't think he's gonna be a main character, but it'd be cool to see him in the MCU.
2: Uh just quick reminder, Snyder Cut Justice League comes out March eighteenth, so it's right around the
1: corner. Yeah. Uh, so uh well, resubscribe. <laughs> and the day after that is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. So the eighteenth and nineteenth of March is gonna be very um, very busy hey. for, for me <laughs> well not busy it's gonna be the opposite of busy men- men- mentally I'll be busy but uh, I'll be sitting on my my tush for a large portion of that <laughs> so uh but uh speaking of uh, DC we have uh issues and we've kind of heard about it before in the past we briefly talked about it issues that Amber heard had with uh, Johnny Depp so a lot of people are really pushing for her to be fired from Aquaman too. A lot of people didn't like her to begin with. And I didn't really have any She's okay. I didn't have any issues or hard problems with her or whatever, like it was whatever. Uh, I didn't find her to be the best actress necessarily. Right. But a lot of people have already put up who they want to replace her. And this is going back to Jason Momoa on Game of Thrones. I can't remember her name, but it's the actress that plays his wife in Game of Thrones, right? shortly before he died but uh she also also, played kira in solo yeah so they're wanting her to replace her and so you know in the 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 video footage here we we see uh amber heard with the red hair and we see uh what's her face with the blonde hair so you know i try to envision that in my head like just transferring that redness over i think it might work i think it might work a lot of people are pulling for it and I really don't care the way. I don't think it'll make or break the story. Uh, it'll bring a different dynamic to the actors there on set. So a- a- Emilia Clark. Okay, okay. And if you have seen Game of Thrones, you will know why we're well why I'm saying that statement. So uh, <laughs> Let's move on. We also have Godzilla versus Kong on March 31st on HBO Max. March is going to be heavy Pac-Man. It's it's heavy Pac-Man, Pac-Man. So Pac-Man. I'm excited for that. I, I just think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I was never really a Godzilla or King Kong fan growing up. I did watch the film, like the old King Kong film back in, what, the 60s. And so I'm excited to see what this turns out to be. And, uh, and just a good action film. I'm ready for a good action. And Black Widow, May 7th. Uh, they haven't postponed it again. So um, this is the longest period of time I think we've been without a postponement for Black Widow. Yeah,
2: you know, which, which bodes well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the biggest question is: Are they going to do simultaneous video on demand and theatrical release? I I, I think they're going to end up doing that. I think they're going to have well, to. well that
2: that that that's what they've already alluded to.
1: Yeah. So uh, they haven't announced it officially, but be look on the lookout for that. We also got the brand new title for the Spider-Man film, which is No Way Home. Now, the one thing about this Spider-Man film is we've got a lot of um, potential spoilers and, 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 and new characters or characters returning from the old films. Uh, Kevin Feige said some of those are true and some of those are not. Obviously, there were some huh. things that were confirmed for sure which includes Jamie Foxx returning as the the, the character who is Electro. You also have Dr. Octopus, uh, Octavius. He is going to be there in the film as well. We don't know in what capacity. Uh, Charlie Cox, I don't know if he was officially deemed as a part of the film, but people say that they've seen him on set wrapping up all this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, the Andrew Garfield, the Tobey Maguire, all of those are fan theories and, and somewhat. People say they have pictures and whatnot. So there's a lot of things going on with that film. Still excited about it and curious to see how it's going to involve, I- incorporate the multiverse using that film. So live action yeah. Spider-Verse film. And uh, also... Superman and Lois. Did did you get a chance to see that?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, my daughter and I watched it. Um, I, you know, um, I, I'm not normally a big fan of of CW's uh, DC stuff. Usually comes across very hokey. Obviously, very agenda oriented. Um, this was actually not too bad. Uh, some of the acting was a little bit on the lack side. Some of the writing was just like. You can see it coming a mile away, um, I, but I will say this: the videography was really good. The coloring was just spectacular, um, and and for your main, your principal characters, they did really well. Um, I, I'm going to continue to try to watch it uh, and and see how it goes. I like where it's kind of heading. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but. Um, I, I think this might be the first CW show that I'm really going to be into. Wow.
1: That's, That's saying a lot because... That really is. You know, I enjoyed Arrow when it first started. I enjoyed Flash when it first started. After a while, I think they're just trying to squeeze together some content. And that's when it really becomes an issue. And then they try to squeeze in agendas. And usually it's some type of an LGBTQ agenda. Supergirl, they started that at the gate. And I appreciated that they hit you from the gate, so you know what's going to happen. Batwoman, uh, same thing. And, you know, I don't know. Neither one of those I I could really dig. Nothing to do with a female lead. We're going to talk about female-led movies here in a little bit on the round five. But that's just not my bag of tea. So...
2: <laughs> Bag of tea. Okay.
1: I don't mean that in that way. Um, let, let,
2: let, let's move along. So um, yeah, well, and I've always been a, a, a big Superman and Batman fan ever since I was a kid. Anyway, they were they were my OG superheroes for me. Anyway, so uh, excited to see Superman stuff, and we are getting conversations, talks, serious talks. Between J.J. Um, Abrams and and you know all of their staff at Bad Robot, um, working in conjunction with, um, please forgive me if I butcher his name, uh, Tanisi uh, Coates. He's he's an African American author to bring us an African American Superman. Yeah, right. I mean, about dang time, man. Yeah, um, they're. Uh... I'm excited about this. If anybody's going to reboot something and do it to where it's going to kick heiny all over the place it's going to be JJ Abrams crew. I mean, let's just let's just put it down and 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 say it like it is. If anybody reboots and is going to have a successful reboot, it's JJ Abrams and his team. I I mean, there's, look at what they did with with Star Trek alone. I mean, you know, people were, my brother criticized me because the the I the same weekend that I went to go see Star Trek, uh, the the relaunch, um, Wolverine had come out in theaters, and he was like, "Dude, you're not going to go see Wolverine?" I'm like, "No, I'm going to go see Star Trek." He's like, y- y- "You've lost it," and I, I'm I'm such a but I'm a much better person for it, I guess you could say, but <laughs> you know the genius there. Um, I'm not familiar with Mr. Coates' work, but I love that we have an African American writer on board here. What, what's a white dude gonna do writing for an African American, you know, lead actor uh, in storyline? That just doesn't make any sense. So, yeah,
1: and and the the African American Superman is not ultimately confirmed. We do have. Uh, there's been a lot of talks, and there have been more fan theories and desires for Michael B. Jordan to take the role. I think yeah. if he takes the role, I'd be cool with it. He's a great actor. He's done great in everything else he's done. Um, he can, you know, buff up and be the the muscular Superman or whatnot. You know, then then the other question is, well, you know, do you change anybody? I, and, and some people are obviously there's there's not to be, uh, yeah, I'll be punchy. There's a lot of racists out there who are like, no, Superman's white, Lois Lane's white, Lex Luthor's white. All these people are white. They got to be white because it's true to the comics. And I'm like, have you not seen any of the other films that have come out where white people have portrayed Asian people, Black people, Middle Eastern people, Jesus? Well, come yeah,
2: on. yeah, and, and we call that whitewashing. But it, you know, honestly, um, the comics have already had a Black Superman, Calvin Ellis, or something like that. So he, he's he's already been there. So if if you want to take it back to the comics, he's already been there.
1: Gotcha. So, gotcha.
2: You know it's 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 not a a big new thing it it obviously didn't catch on and wasn't super popular um but again that's what i'm saying is that i think that when you've got bad robot at at the helm here i think we're gonna we're gonna get something really awesome that's gonna blow people's minds and they're gonna be like okay no i'm 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 down with this now you know um who's directing who who's gonna play the lead we don't know I'm I am definitely hoping for obviously an African American director. I think that it needs that as well. Um and whoever they cast, um, I would still like to see somebody kind of largely unknown. You know, it could be somebody that's done stuff, obviously. They need to have some some decent uh acting chops. But I, I would like to see some largely unknown people, maybe some folks from television or something, rather than Michael B. Jordan, because it's it's like, you know. Oh yeah, Michael B. Jordan. He's our, you know. Okay, yeah, whatever. But let let's let's get some new blood in there. Plus, if you're gonna continue this franchise, you need to be able to not pay them too much money <laughs> to be yeah. able to make some money. And DC has always kind of like struggled with that. Let's be honest, you know. So. Anyway, but it's exciting to see. i I've, you know, blown away that, that they're going to be working on it. Um, so, anyway. we probably um, still got about
1: I, three or four years before we start seeing. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm
2: sure. Um, just a quick little something. I'm, <laughs> I I. love the NCIS fran- uh, television franchise. Um, I You know, I prefer some more than others. But um, NCIS NOLA is going to be no more. Um, this is the last season, so if you hadn't already heard, now you have. Um, the CBS really hasn't given us any good reasons. Scott Bakula hasn't really told us anything, um, except that he, he's going to miss the music. Whatever. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. New Orleans Jazz is is freaking phenomenal but you know if that's the only thing that you're missing i I don't know but anyway um you know ever since they lost lucas black i was like finally the show is gonna really take off now and then they go off and cancel it so i don't know maybe he was Um, all together man (laughs) i hope not (laughs) if (laughs) if that's the case then it was already established on some pretty sandy ground Mm. to make a nice biblical reference speaking of sandy ground though um, there's a lot of talk about there being a new NCIS kind of to replace New Orleans, and they're talking about it taking place in Hawaii. I could see now that. if the, yeah. if there's a state that's kind of overplayed right now, I feel like it's probably Hawaii. Yeah, that's you why know, I could see had, it. <laughs> yeah, we, we had Five O, which is now ended, um, and then you know uh, we've got Magnum PI, and so. You know to do uh, NCIS. Why? I, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Don't get me wrong. It's just that it's like, eh. You know, uh, let's let let's find something else, somewhere else. That's you know still interesting and and you know. Anyway, go to but, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that go go would be really. Yeah, there, there's so much there.
1: Nobody knows because they don't ever portray it. <laughs> well, okay fair enough fair enough so i mean there's not yeah, women in any... bikinis so it's not going to draw the the traditional man but
2: Bear, bears and bikinis possibly yeah That's some it. polar bears and bikinis that might do it <laughs> uh, anyway um so ncis hawaii uh looks like it's a pretty solid thing a lot of the current cast from la as well as uh the og are are you know Making little comments here and there. Uh, there's some fan speculation that we're going to get Dinozo in Hawaii. Uh, I sort of don't see that happening. Not, you know, I mean, Bull is, is successful um, and Michael Weatherly is doing well with that. Um, so it's not as though, you know, I, they, could, they could cancel Bull and then go to, uh, you know, back to doing NCIS. But I, I don't really see that happening. I think they're going to take somebody existing from one of the other NCISs or even from New Orleans and move them to Hawaii so that way we would get that connection. Kind of like they did with Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We still had um, uh, uh, Chief uh, O'Brien uh, from Next Gen who kind of came in, or well, didn't kind of if he came in. And so we had a connection there. Uh, so, sort of a fan favor, but not necessarily a lead. Um, so, I don't know what we'll, you know remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm 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 probably gonna watch it.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, so real quick, I, I you know I get these emails, and I've started opening them up to try to pay attention to what the church world is talking about and uh, all of that controversies. And, you know, there's also some good biblical uh, references and helpful things that I get them in as well. So there's uh, churchleaders.com. They send out emails. Uh, Christianity Today sends out a lot of stuff. And I think Christianity Today is a little more popular than church leaders. But, uh, but there was some talk. And, and I've, I've seen the SBC kind of being in the news a lot lately, the, the Southern Baptist Convention. And so the, the last thing that we're talking about, got an email, is the uh, kind of the leader of the, uh, the the funding board there. They help fund church plants. They uh, were upset that one of the churches had a woman pastor. And he said, we don't plant churches with women pastors. We didn't know this. And you know, he had complained about some other stuff. And, you know, they've also spoken out against LGBT, saying that churches are way too lenient on letting LGBTQ members lead things in the church and being church leaders and stuff like that. And so they're very, very, uh, I won't say non-biblically traditional, because I do feel like, you know, they do stand on biblical grounds. How they handle it might not be the the best way or address it, things like that. But they, uh, they, they were also the ones who had a pastor... Who, or somebody who used to head up the Southern Baptist Convention, he wrote a letter, a very racist letter a couple weeks ago, to a black pastor saying, you know, we're so tired of all this woke theology and talking about uh, social issues and all these things. And that was called out by many, 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 many leaders in the black community, as well as the white community as well. However, I think J.D. Greer from uh, Durham, Raleigh, North Carolina, he actually spoke out, and there was a article from him as well saying that races should not feel comfortable in a white church at all. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I was like, "Amen." That is very interesting. You know, he, he addressed it, and, and and he's you know, I won't say he's a woke pastor, but he understands the struggle and he shares in the grieving process with the black community on a lot of issues. And he is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's the president of it, or is it Southern Baptist? He's the president of one of them, but either way, I I just thought it was interesting. And and just something I just kind of want to ask ourselves is could a racist, you know, white Aryan, you know, brotherhood type guy come into your church and feel comfortable? I think Mm -hmm. that's a challenge for us. And uh, anyway,
2: well, well, um, being welcomed into the church and feeling comfortable in terms
1: of being amongst like minded people. Gotcha. Or just feeling like, and, and and this is another, another battle I've had with, I'd say the, the liberal side of, of Christian hip hop. I'm like, we have to, we have to make all sin not feel like it fits in the Christian lifestyle. Like, you know, a lot of CHH talks heavily about racism, which is wrong. It's evil. And I feel like it does need to be addressed. When it comes to other sin issues, they seem to be complicated issues. And I'm like, all sin is complicated. All of it is. We, we can say any sin is complicated and brush it off and say this one in particular is just wrong, period. And so and that's just something that I've kind of been bothered with a lot lately because I see both sides of the aisle say that, that this isn't really sinful because it originates here. Th- these are the issues that are involved with it and yada, yada, yada. Then they all point back to the grace of Christ and how, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I thought it was an interesting question. I think we do have a lot of white people that listen to the show, uh, some brothers in the, the the black community. But I would ask, how comfortable would a racist be sitting in all your church services, being part of the discipleship programs if they're part of it, and not feel like they have issues going on in their life and their heart? So, music news. Let's, let's cover this real quick before we uh, head on out.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, so David Crowder, Crowder, uh, dropped a new single, Good God Almighty. Uh, if you like that sort of uh, country worship twang uh, feel, this song is right in line with that. You know, David Crowder has been doing that for a while now with a, a, a little bit of upbeat techno kinds of stuff. He needs I, a work I with I mean, Rare. He, Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I was thinking of when when I heard this track. Um, It's a really good uh, worship song. Uh, I dig it, and I think that I can see that there's uh, uh, definitely um, this is a good time for it, I I think. Also, there's a live video uh, for that track. Uh, Matt Kearney, you probably haven't heard anything from him in quite some time. Uh, He's dropping a new sing or has dropped a new single, uh, Pontiac um as well as there's a video accompanying it as well and you can pre-order his latest uh album uh january flower uh he's got a special vinyl edition as well as a standard vinyl edition as well as cd and digital and everything else um the letter black dropped a new single rise which i think we're playing at the end of the show right yes he must be muted um the undertaking sorry uh, yes. drops a new single <laughs> o negative so uh that's not that's not the you know just the letter o it's an o h like oh negative um you may not have heard of the undertaking check them out uh they're on solid state records uh if you're into uh metal um kinds of stuff this fits in that genre
1: yeah it's very heavy I uh, I decided to look at listen to all these songs that you put up here for a change because normally uh-huh. I just don't have time to. And this morning I, I decided to go ahead and do it. And uh, the Letter Black song is really good, and the Undertaking yeah. is really heavy. So yeah. Uh, as far as Christian hip hop, we have TC. Uh, he's actually somebody who partners a lot with uh, Five Twenty Collecta. Some uh, some what I would consider a good brother platform. Uh, or, yeah. I would say sister platform like sister church, but they're brothers over there. (laughs) They're they're guys. Okay. Either way, uh, he's got a new song called superbia. Uh, We're going to be playing that on the show. Bridgewater, a husband wife duo. I just love the fact that a husband, wife duo was doing music together. Uh, I just really appreciate that. They got a song called I O U miles Minnick and no big deal. Actually collabed on an EP called miles. That's available. Rockstar JT, He's got a song called Big Drip. Now, this is more for the, uh, if you kind of grew up on the streets and you like more street-type music, this is definitely one for you. Kanata Small has a single Nothing to Lose, which is fairly good. He's actually been doing a whole lot of uh, music for licensing. So he's been making more kind of widely enjoyable music. I don't know how else to say it. I, I'm not going to say pop music because it isn't like pop, top 40 pop, but it's music that is really good that anybody can appreciate. And okay. we have Nameless Saint. He's also a friend over at 520. He did a song called Switching Lanes featuring our good brother, Mitch Durrell and YJO. Microphones got a song uh, called When's the Last Time He Cried, which I thought was just a, you know, I, I feel like we, de- we need to give men permission to get vulnerable sometimes. Uh, not to be, you know, overly emotional and all in your feelings all the time. But I do think sometimes we do need to just have a good crying time. Like, you know, we need to break down every once in a while. And then last but not least, one of my favorite indie artists, I've enjoyed everything that he's put out thus far, uh, Zabai. He's got a song called No, Never. So it's like no, period, never. And we're going to be playing that on the show as well. Like I said, one of my favorite guys, and I uh, just makes good quality, solid music. So that's the news from us today, this week. We'll be back with another video, another segment soon. Stay tuned. So many setbacks I had to swallow dog because of
0: this thing. Gave me them big old dreams, yeah. Told me go chase them things. I'm in the wheel, pricing again, yeah. Same old things, and when it don't work out. Talking at God instead of my pride like he the one to blame Taking the credit for all of the work that he doing I know that I shouldn't Pride go talking, you know how it sound You in the kitchen, you cooking You in these streets, you in the field You the one out here looking You the one putting in work without you, dog, None of this wouldn't That's how he taught me, duh I know my angels get heated I'm in that garden, I got that Lucy syndrome How do I treat it? Feeling like Eve when you at God I don't want to eat it Dog hitting like COVID I'm trying to beat it. I had to humble myself. Pride told me don't do it. Told him the will it got for me. He told me never pursue it. Told him I'm done with the pedestals. I got a valley to walk scripture indebted to talk i get in trouble because of my pride dog keeping it real a creature a habit i do it myself yeah i know how you feel let in my garden i trusted in pride that was the moment i swallowed the pill gave me some credit it ran up the tab time to collect and i'm stuck with this bill i heard a knock at the door it was the lord he woke me up my heart was jaded because of that pride he had to open me up working on me working on me yeah give me some time working on me. pride you know it's time uh-huh. so many types of pride dog i could rap all, rap all day but it don't matter what type we battling homie and getting away uh-huh. ain't no secret devil got kicked out of heaven for the same old thing uh-huh. now he and earth roaming to and fro with them same old games yeah. i got a story to tell i, I hope this land well okay. about a king who dwell pride came in he had a dream nobody wise could interpret. No so he brought it to Daniel, and Daniel had told him you trust a the serpent. God <laughs> gon' go strip it away, chop you down, but don't be nervous. Okay. You can escape all this, renounce and repent, it's worth it. Simple. He take he took a little stroll to the balcony just for a view. He said I made all this. Right then and there that dream came true. <laughs> now he's chilling with animals eating grass. Life was miserable. This is the promise of pride right here, dog. I gave you a visual. Pride will only bring you sorrow. sorrow Don't be a fool, living with pride will only bring you sorrow I get in trouble because of my pride, dawg, uh, keeping it real. Yeah, real A creature, a habit, I do it myself, yeah, I know how you feel yeah. Led in my garden, I trusted in pride That was the moment I swallowed the pill Gave it some credit, and ran up the town. Time to collect and I'm stuck with this bill I heard a knock at the door, it was the Lord, he woke me up My heart was jaded because of that pride He had to open me up Working on me, working on me yeah, give me some time, time. Working on me, working on me Pride, you know it's
3: time, time.
1: Welcome back to Solomon's Porch with your host Jason and Sean, and we are doing our round five, top five women's history or women's history month women led movies, because March is Women's History Month. Uh, that's what happens when you're uh you're not thinking too straight up early in the morning all that good stuff, but uh, I can go ahead and tell you whenever I saw this I was like I feel like I might know Sean's number one. Uh, if you've listened to this show, I'd love to know if you could already guess Sean's number one uh, for all of you out there. That's, that, that's all I'll say about that. So uh, anyway, man, let's go ahead and jump into this list. All right. So yeah, um, specifically because
2: um, March is um, Women's History Month, I thought, well, you know, hey, let's let's see what our... Um, favorite female led uh, movies would be. And you know there's there's far more out there uh, now than there ever have been obviously. And uh, you know I was looking I was just looking through my movies alone and I've got some really old stuff like I, I've got Audrey Hepburn. and Audrey Hepburn stuff is still really more of a co-starring. It's like, you know, yeah, she's really good, but we can't really let her lead the movie all by herself. So we've got to bring in a guy to be able to help ground this movie for everybody. And uh, and so we start to see that progression where it starts to move away from it where, you know, yeah, maybe there's still a strong male actor in the movie, but he's not a, a, co- a direct co-star. He's sort of like a sub co-star, if you will. Uh, And and then eventually to a point where we've got just female-led movies Um, that may have guys in them, but they're not, you know, major players, if you will. So um, it's just really interesting, the dynamics to see through all that. My daughter, she loves old movies, too, but she's also, you know, very, um, you know, uh, pro-women equality. And, um, you know, we'll watch some of these movies. Um, I love Hitchcock films. And, you know, this the way that women are perceived and portrayed and accept a lot of what um, is being put on them, if you will, um, it's, it's really obnoxious. Uh, makes it hard sometimes to be able to watch some of the older movies. Uh, so my movies, obviously, are going to be largely newer movies. Um, one, because they are definitely female-led um, as opposed to really co-starring um but we'll go ahead and get started um my number five you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have some quentin tarantino somewhere in my list i'll share Uh, this with you
1: yeah
2: uh kill bill and and i'm gonna say volumes one and two because i i I don't really see it as two separate movies it is one movie it's one storyline uh it, it really has to almost be watched together he 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 only created them as two separate because it was just too long for the average consumer to sit there and watch six hours of film.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I I I thought it was really good uh, when it when I first watched it. I was like, man, that's a lot of blood. And and then I I thought about it. I was like, well, I don't know how accurate it is because I've never seen someone's arm get cut off. And uh, right. so I, I I couldn't actually say that's that's way too fake. Because I really don't know. I remember thinking that. That's one of the main things I remember thinking during this film. But also, like, I first saw Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy in the uh, mm. Batman and Robin film. So this film yeah. was a huge different type of character. And you got the serious moments. You got the action moments. Well, I mean, it's pretty much all serious. But it was just very interesting. And in in her acting in it was fantastic. And yeah. You know, th- actually, I, I probably need to go ahead and watch this again. Uh, well, I, I'd have to watch it on my own because none of my family would want to see it. But
3: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. When when you say it's bloody, it's definitely that. Yeah, it's it's some really awesome action scenes, some great fight scenes. Um, I, for me, one of the one of the things that um I love about the movies is that we get David Carradine, who played uh in the Kung Fu TV show, um and um yeah was it just kung fu yeah anyway and uh you know it, it's as a kid it was on the tv my parents were watching it and i was kind of like eh, whatever until the fight scenes right and so i always i've always had that association with him uh and daryl hannah i used to have a crush on daryl hannah as a kid from splash when she was playing the mermaid and uh even in in roxanne with, opposite of steve martin um, so it was cool to be able to see them in something uh, newer, um, even though this this has been a minute. I don't remember when it came out. Yeah, two thousand three. <laughs> it has been a minute, but um, but still something newer uh, even at that time. And then the action, um, and again Daryl Hannah doing um, uh, action was just awesome. So anyway, and she's she's one of the main antagonists.
1: Yeah, I also like the uh, one of my favorite scenes was her against um, Vivica Fox's character, which I thought was hilarious because she was like, you know, why are you the black, you know, whatever? And she was like, that black should Mamba. be me. Yeah, Black Mamba. I almost a Black Widow. That's why I paused. But uh, to me, that was funny. But yeah, just uh, the film was fantastic. The hospital scene where she was trying to get her, her toes moving and all that kind of stuff. I. It just showed a lot of effort from her part to pull that off. So definitely, yeah. and, you know, it's Quentin Tarantino. So he does incredible action films. So, yeah, man, let's move into number four. Uh, So I I, I
2: diverge a little bit from what my normal kind yeah. of list would be for movies <laughs> with this one. Um, I'm not normally a chick flick kind of guy, but I am a foodie. So um, I, I definitely watched uh, this film when it came out, um, and, and bought the movie. Still own it. Um, watch it every so often. Julie and Julia. Um, Amy Adams is my first Amy Adams movie. Uh, so before she did Superman uh, <laughs> and billion and other things, uh, but plays opposite sort of of Meryl Streep. So um, Meryl Streep portrays um julia child um and her depiction of julia child is just phenomenal uh, it's 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 so fun it's so playful um you, you she makes you fall in love with julia child so for her, even all of her eccentricities and and quirkiness um uh he, he, Meryl Streep just does a, a great job of, of bringing her to life and making her relatable and of course Amy Adams is is is, is pretty much always that anyway um so th- this was this was really neat it also took place um the story takes place just after 9-11 uh even though the movie came out in 2009 um and so you know you're still dealing with um some of what was going on in society after the twin towers and and um so i I like the sort of historical referencing uh there as well um but it's it's just a fun movie i can definitely watch it with my wife and daughter and everybody's happy um there, there's thankfully part of it that uh, my daughter doesn't pick up on something that Julia says that's kind of um, naughty.
1: <laughs> gotcha, man. So my number four is Underworld. Growing up, I was always a fan of lots of different, uh, you know, vampires. Zombies, werewolves, all that kind of stuff. Growing up, and, and, and really, vampires is always my favorite. Whenever I would have nightmares, I would dream that I would let the vampire bite me so I could become a a, a vampire. And uh, which to me, it was more like a fantasy instead of a nightmare. But that that was just me. But anyway, this film was really good. You got the vampire versus uh, werewolves. You know, before Twilight came out, and you know, there's there's always been kind of a historical thing, vampires and werewolves. But this film just did it really well. I felt like Kate Beckinsale did a great job in this film. The um, action was great. I even liked the special effects and the whole story. And I, I want to say it was this one. There were so many of them. I want to say this is the one where at the very end she cuts a dude's head off, who was like the her father figure type guy. And so, you know, that part of the film like was like, wow. And just, I don't know, man, just really, really good. And... um this kind of made me somewhat of a a fan of more of the modern movies because I always watched the older ones growing up. and But, you know, also like Vampire in Brooklyn. So I was kind of all over the same with vampire films. But this one, to me, was probably the best. Like, my favorite when it came out, it had hit kind of my favorite vampire rendition of film. I, I bet you watched Twilight, too, didn't you? I actually have not seen Twilight. <laughs> I have not. I felt like I needed to just sure, because, sure. you know? But no, I haven't. I, I have
2: neither. I've seen bits and pieces when it comes on TV. And that's about
1: it. So I hadn't even seen that. So you're more of a Twilight uh, expert than I am at this point. <laughs> <laughs> expert, such as it is, sure. All
3: right,
1: man. Let's go to number uh, three. Number three.
2: Um, this, this would delight my daughter that this is on my list Ocean's Eight. Um, I like the other oceans movies. Uh, the male-dominated, um, overwhelming sausage fest of, of films. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, they're they're fun. They're playful. There's you know some action, lighthearted. You know, there, there's times when you want to watch a movie. You you want enough action interest, but not necessarily you know fighting action. And you want just enough comedy without it, like, hurting you because you're laughing so hard. Um, but you don't want so much drama that you're, like, crying and bawling your eyes out. This is us kind of, you know, junk. So, um, you know, they, they went all out. They packed this up with with a really good lineup of, of female cast. Um, Mindy uh, Kaling, uh Helena Bonham Carter, which... I mean, she's just always awesome. Pretty much anything she touches is great. Uh, Anne Hathaway, of course. Um, Kate Blanchett. I mean, you know, stellar. Uh, and needless to say, Sandra Ball. Um, but, you know, when, when you're talking about doing um, relaunches, um, this is probably the best route that anybody has gone with sort of taking that on. Um, I was skeptical at first, you know, when, when you're talking about taking, because, you know, Oceans was, was a movie that was done with the Rat Pack back in the, what, 60s or something, and so, you know, it, it was definitely a male movie then, they relaunch it, it's a male movie now. And it did really well. So then you're talking about, okay, well, let's, let's put in a female cast. Well, they didn't just say, let's redo the exact same thing over again necessarily. I mean, obviously, it's all about theft. Um, but we're talking about a sister. So this is Ocean's sister who is in the family business, if you will, uh, of crime. And she's got her own connections, people that she works with. And it seems natural that the vast majority of, the, of them would be women. Um, you know, I might have would have liked to have seen a, a dude somewhere in there. Um, that, that at least had more of a at least Caitlyn yeah, Jenner. You know, <laughs> he, she <laughs> identifies as a she now. Thank you. Um, but to be able to say that, you know. Um, it's it's an anti male movie, you know. I, I see where you're coming from, maybe, but uh, I, either way, this movie stands on its own, I think. Um, and and it's it's again, it's one of those films that I can always pop on and maybe playing in the background. I don't have to pay full attention to it because I'm familiar with it. Um, but it always feels lighthearted enough, you know, that that you you're not too involved and not too overwhelmed. Um, but can still take a break, sit down, and and chill out, and pick up the story where it is. So.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I just, I, it's weird. A whole bunch of other films just have been popping in my head. I may have to replace one of mine, or so. <laughs> um, well, you, you
2: know, if you just take a look at Kate Blanchett's, uh, you know, catalog of films, if if you can place her as as lead in in any of those, then I, I think. <laughs> you know, you've got a pretty good list. She's such a great actress. I love her.
1: Well, I was thinking about some other stuff too. But uh so my number three is Resident Evil. Again, been a, a zombie movie, zombie game fan. I played the game growing up. Still one of my favorite uh beloved games as a child. And so when they came out with the film, you know, I was I was excited. Uh you know, they're not all equally great, but I think that first one had enough live action Resident Evil element to it that really made me appreciate it. I feel like uh, the actress who ironically plays the same actress in Fifth Element. Uh, I can't pronounce her last name. as Mila but John- Jovic? Jovic, Mila Jovic. Jovic. Jovi? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, either way, she did. Uh, she did a great job, and she's she's a great uh, action actress. She's a good ac- actionist, if I could say. Uh, a lot of her stuff's great, and you know just felt like it was a very solid film and uh it's it's been so long since i've seen it but uh so i can't go into all the 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 little small intricacies of it but i do know that it still rates among my top five of action-packed films and partly because it brought out one of my favorite video games and i felt like it did it good enough good enough so it wasn't like a lot of other video games where i'm like ah they should have just not tried to make a movie out of it and uh, so a lot of people have issues with that. I didn't feel that with this, so that's uh, that's my number three. How about you, All right, sir? so
2: number two. My number two is Star Wars Rogue One. I You know, somewhere in there you had to figure Star Wars was going to pop up. Um, I, you know, uh, this was, I think, Felicity Jones' big breakout film, uh, led to a lot of other things that she's done. Um, I liked her in um, – uh, Jeez. Uh, World War II movie, um, something games. Anyway, uh, opposite of Benedict Cumberbatch um, was, was you know, really pretty, pretty good. I, I think it, it helped to highlight some of her skills. Um, but, um, you know, this, it's Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, what else do you say? It's probably one of my most favorite Star Wars films as well. So, um, you know, it, Cassian and K two. You, you've got this great cast of supporting characters that um, that that helps to amplify what she's doing, what she's experiencing, and so whatever she's bringing to the screen, um, he these you know supporting casts, Saul Guerrero um, are able to really pull um more out of that character and and make her stand out even more um am, am i getting her confused with somebody else for that benedict cumberbatch movie i think i am anyway i was trying to look it up at the same time and uh not doing real good at it um,
1: <laughs> but, but yeah so anyway um star wars rogue one yeah man my number two i've changed it I'm my, the, my yeah. number two honorable mention is okay. set it off. Uh, this movie, I don't know, it came out when I was really, really young. It's got uh, Jada Pickett before she was a Smith, Queen Latifah, is uh, that Vivica Fox? I can't remember the other lady's name. But this film, it, it is one of those where you see people doing, you know, negative for a good reason. So it gives mm-hmm. you that, that weird inner, you know, struggle like, you know, you're pulling for the people that's doing something wrong, but they started doing it for some good reasons. And then you got the, the conflicting co conspirators in a way where Jada Pickett, she's really trying to re- get money to pay for her little brother to go to college. And just to me, it was just a great story in general, seeing how it starts off. The little brother, I mean, this is spoilers for anybody, obviously, but I'm pretty sure most of you have seen set it off. So her little brother is, you know, Accepted to college. Can't figure out how to pay for it. She ends up sleeping with the man for money. He ends up turning down the check saying it going to college. Then her co-worker gets fired from a bank. Oh, that That's what it was. Sorry. She didn't rob it to go to college. But her co-worker gets uh, fired from a bank with something that was not her fault at all. So, they end up robbing the bank. And it just kind of goes on to do a couple more. Uh, the... All sorts of stuff. You know, she meets a man who's a manager of a bank, and then she's, like, robbing the bank and all this stuff. Just a great, fantastic story. And then it ended off in a really uh, cool note for me. And this is actually an all-black female cast. So uh, we're recording this in February, right before March. So two into one, baby. But in general, it is a really great film. It really is. This is one of my favorite as a kid. I actually did tear up on this as a kid, uh, to be honest. And... I mean, I was a kid. I don't know if I do that now. I'm a man up a little bit. But if you haven't seen it, even though I gave a whole bunch of spoilers, it, it's still worth seeing and checking out. And and Queen Latifah is true to herself in that she is, you know, her own sexual uh, prowess in this film. So anyway, move on to number one. So uh, let, let
2: me go and get my correction straight. So the movie I was referencing was The Imitation Game. Um... Sadly, uh, I was confusing Kira Knightley (laughs) with Felicity Jones. They don't look anything alike. Um, But uh, the movie I was thinking about was *The Theory of Everything*, uh, where she uh, she plays um, Hawking's Stephen Hawking's um, love interest. Um, So anyway, but that that was definitely a great film, and she did a spectacular job in it. She was also in uh, *Inferno* with Tom
1: Hanks, which was. All right, uh, so my number one movie—I can't guess what it might be.
2: Oh, dude, the, I was—it I, was supposed to be like the video lagged or something. People were supposed to be like, "Wait, wait a second, videos," <laughs> and then start clicking on stuff and whatever. Anyway, you messed it up. Anyway, Atomic Blonde. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right now it's still you know right up there. It's you know I've talked about it before. We're talking about. Uh, during the Cold War, you've got the Iron Curtain kind of stuff, the whole uh, East-West Germany, uh, Russian spy KGB stuff going on. It's a lot of fun. Charlize Theron does awesome. She does a lot of her own stunts. The action is great. Uh, in fact, I'm not even sure that there's a stunt that sh- that's done in there that she doesn't actually do. Um, just totally, totally kills this film i mean i mean she, she 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 ramps it up she executes it follows through um and and then supporting cast with like james mcavoy and john goodman are in it uh you may know eddie um was it marson uh from um the Sherlock holmes robert Downey jr films um but, anyway, it just i it's it's always a lot of fun. There is supposed to be a second film coming out. They're talking about it potentially being a netflix only film for Top of blo Two. Mm-hmm. um I'm definitely down with that. Uh, I'm not real sure where they could go now that the wall's down, but <laughs> who knows um maybe it'll be a prequel kind of thing or something um but i'm I'm yeah.
1: Well, I know with, you know, Netflix likes to work with very, with the same actor, actresses. And so she was in Old Guard, which is Netflix. And so I could see them trying to buy the ability to do that. Yeah. uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, So mine is, and some people are going to probably debate me, but multiple sources online agreed with me that this is a woman-led film. And uh, it's uh, Terminator Judgment Day or Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, with Sarah Connor being the lead character, I say she's the lead character. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> yeah, I, the problem I, I don't is know. how how much of it's
2: really a story about John though.
1: I know that, but she's the lead in it, is what I'm saying, and she's at least uh split a third a lead, so she at least has that. And the story wouldn't exist without her. It's about her son. They go to get her to help. She uh, to me, she's leading this film, but um. She, she does a really good job seeing her go from the first to the second film and even in the third film or in the, um uh, what's the newest one? Dark, dark, whatever, whatever it's called, the yeah. newest one she was in. Uh, she still carries on that action that, you know, the, the, the tone down exercise and to me, she just did a, a, a great job in this film and, you know, whenever I first saw, you know, Terminator's in the prison and she sees them, she's freaking out. You know, you're, you're almost wanting to tell her in that moment, like, no, it's okay, it's okay. And I remember as a kid, again, this came out when I was a kid, it was one of those things where I just, I really enjoyed uh, her being that character, that mom. And then you got that weird mother-son dynamic that, uh, that I had seen a lot growing up. So she reminded me of a lot of mothers that I knew, where it was like her son was more like a, just another person, not like her son's son, but she still had that love for him and still did stuff for him. So she she plays a really good role in that dynamic where it's not the typical, you know, mother nurturing the child. And, uh, and you know, still some of that goes on today. I'm pretty sure this film is older than you. I think it is by a couple of years at least. I think the first one was like 85 maybe. Yeah, 84, Terminator okay. 2 was in 91. Oh, no, it ain't older than me. I'm older uh, okay. than about two years. Two years. Uh, that, by two years. So, it,
2: it, so when you say it came out when you were a kid, you mean toddler.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. The kids, a kid, right? Uh, I will All say right. this. This is going to sound very much like the guy that left NCIS. One of my favorite things about that film, though, is the music. I love the Terminator Two specific theme song because it's a little bit different and tweaked from the first one. And uh, and yeah, man. So that's my number one uh Terminator 2 Judgment Day and in general I it's one of my favorite films from I would say the early part of my life um so yeah so, man, so
2: with the exception that obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to be like the big character both literally and and figuratively um I I, I still would have to, to disagree with you I think that the first Terminator movie is definitely um Sarah Uh, centric, so is uh, Dark Fate, which was the most recent Terminator film, it's very Sarah centric. Two is really John centric, and subsequently,
1: so is it really
2: female? Uh,
1: you can sue me, it'll be all right. Well, I gotta give you a hard time about something, (laughs) I know, I know, man. And, And like I said, a lot of people online were, you know. It, it, it's one of those debated things. There's a lot of other films that people said were women lead roles. And I was like, there's no way that's a woman lead role like star Wars, princess lamb being the lead role. No, 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 not at all. In, no. in, in any three that she was in, uh, or even the, the, the latter ones. So, uh, yeah. so honorable mentions, we both have several honorable mentions.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd mentioned, uh, Audrey Hepburn, uh, pretty much her, her entire catalog, but, my favorite, uh, and it was the one film that got me into really uh, watching Audrey Hepburn, is Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, the Hunger Games movies, um, you know, like them or not, uh, I like them as a whole, uh, and, I, and I still watch them, uh, not just because my daughter loves it. Uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Gal Gadot, we've said it before, this is probably one of the best Um uh, superhero movies kind of in a general sense but definitely the best female led movie that's not the nineteen eighty four movie this is the old one. Uh Salt Angelina Jolie. Um Hidden Figures made my list. Uh I, you know, honestly I kind of wanted them a little bit higher. Um and and it's I, you know, I I own the film. I, I just can't say that I watch it as much as I watch the others. So gotcha.
1: Yeah, so mine was a uh, GI Jane, was one that yeah. didn't make it, but that was really good. Uh, Charlie's Angel was the one with um, Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore and uh, Tall Lady. Can't remember her name right now. Uh, I, I enjoyed those. I hadn't even seen the new one, but I've heard a lot of people say it bombed. Uh, and th- this next one is mainly because my mother watched it all the time back in the day, and it's the only film she ever watched. A League really. Of their own. A League of Their Own. My mother's not a movie person, but she watched A League of Their Own, and watching it growing up, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. It was interesting, and still today, I, I'd still watch it if it came on TV. Oh and, um, yeah, yeah, Force Awakens. I think that's somewhat debatable whether who main character or whatnot. Uh, I, I still think Ray is probably the main focus of that, and uh, yeah. so that makes my list. It's it's one of my, I think it's one of my top five Star Wars things. And then this is another one that somebody had out there, and it was heavily debated. And I was like, I, I, I can't. The title alone makes me not be able to it. I was going to as soon as put... you say
2: the title, it's almost
1: like um... <laughs> Logan. Logan. When yeah. they come out with the X twenty three film, I'm sure I could put that as the uh, at, at, on my list. But yeah, Logan,
2: yeah. It, 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 it'd be like citing any of the Avengers movies for Black Widow
1: yeah or, or Iron Man movies so you know, uh, even I'm, though, I'm waiting
2: until Black Widow comes out and then I can add that to my list
1: yeah so I mean Laura's a great character even seeing some of her development the attachment that her and Logan have that the movie's still fantastic and uh but I can't put it as on my top five. But to yeah. me, it's close enough to where I'll put it in the honorable mentions. Well, and 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 that's why like Breakfast and Tiffany's couldn't be in the top five either
2: because she she's a co-star.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, that's it. That's our top five uh, women-led films in honor of oh, Women's History Month. I may wait and drop this in the first week of March uh, just so it fits a little bit better. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah. Dude, that's like two days away. Yeah, I know, I know. So uh, we'll be back with another segment soon. Make sure you stay tuned.
3: Before I was a child, even in my mama, can't believe you knew me from my heartbeat. In the way that you designed me, fingerprinted signature upon me. I know how your heart speaks. love and art meet, I'm handmade, crafted in your image like an art piece. Called a poema in a strong Greek. Instead of words, I let the song speak. Instead of verbiage, then my verbs of worship be solid as the concrete. I can't believe you went bankrupt for me. No, I can't believe I'm in your love story. No, I can't believe. The value in me i'm so expensive that you died with me i got choices to love you back and it ain't forced nah. keeping it straight forward leading me straight forward i trust every syllable that leaves your mouth who'd have thought a prodigal would ever leave your house i'm just saying do you know that there's power hidden deep in your words do you know that your fate will always need your worst. I know that you can't treat me no better. Ain't no better love story, no vellas. Has there ever been a time where you're not by my side? No never no never. No never, no, never, no, never. no, never, no, never. No, never, no, never. No, never, no, never. No, never, I know that you can't treat me no better. Ain't no better love story, no palace. No I just rub up in a time with you now you ain't never stunning, you ain't never fronted on me. On my dare grabbing the way that you it with me. If I ever strayed, I know that you come and get me. Left the 99 to keep it a hundred with me. 150 plans, I ain't have direction. Fun of trouble in my ways, that's a bad perception. I was living out of pocket with no past protection, and yet you caught me. Thought I was a bad possession, but yet you bought me, clean me. Covered in your blood, I was faulty, tweaking, so misunderstood. You the only person with the schematics of how I function, teaching me to live by the spirit and not assumptions. I want more. Than What's in your hand to bless me, prune and stretch me lead me on my path to destiny You got everything that I need and more When I walk by faith, I don't need the floor I just trust Do you know that there's power hidden deep in your words? Do you know that your faith will always need your words? I know that you can't treat me no better Ain't no better love story, no valence. Has there ever been a time when you're not by my side? No, never, no, never No Ain't no better love story, no fellas no I've never no. been a time with you, not by my son. No, never, no, never They might, but I won't Never, no, never When will I withdraw my love from you? Never, no, never When will I change my mind about you? Never, no, never When will I walk away and give up on the plans I made for your life?
1: Welcome back to Solomon's Porch with your host, Jason. And Sean. All right, we are back. Uh, we're going to talk about a kind of an important topic. Uh, I feel like, in general, marriage is very important, and uh, it, it's good that people ask questions. And uh, there's one that was asked a couple days ago, it, part of a group that I'm in, and uh, he got a lot of answers, so I figured we could take a little bit of time and verbally... <laughs> express our thoughts on it instead of just trying to do it in a a comment not that those aren't good advice but i felt like we can flesh it out a little bit more here on the show and uh, so the topic is are you ready for marriage in context this guy's been uh he's i think he's like mid-20s maybe early 20s mid-20s and he's dating a girl really really likes her and he had asked a question how do you know when you are ready for marriage like when you how do you know when to ask for her hand in marriage and so, I, I thought it'd be good for us to talk about it. Um, I've been married 12 years, Sean. How long have you been married? <laughs> Longer than 12 years, right?
2: Oh, dang it, you messed me up, man. I'm not gonna start over again. <laughs>
1: Why don't you ask your wife? See if she knows. Anyway, it's been a while, it's been a while, we'll it's been, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. So, anyway, so. Initially, I think one of the indicators is it's good that you're asking the question, right? I think, you know, am I ready for this? Am I ready to dedicate, you know, my life in a sense to this one person? There's only one other person that you make a lifelong covenant with, and that is Jesus, ideally. Every other relationship is different. Like even your kids, like eventually they move out. They grow and they start their own lives, and then they begin in a covenant with somebody if they choose to get married. And uh, so this is a very unique type of relationship that is not like anything else other than what we see in the Bible as Jesus and the church or uh, Yahweh with Israel in the Old Testament. So I, I do love the fact that he's even asking this question. Uh, so I guess for us, just to give some advice, how do we know? Uh, Sean, is, is there any indicators in your life, how you knew you were ready to, to marry your wife?
2: Well, um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I gotta be the one guy outside the box and maybe even a little bit of antagonist here. I would actually disagree with you. I think if you're asking this question, then you're not ready. Okay. Yeah. The, the, here's the thing is that, um, you, you know, one, we're, we're talking about from a Christian perspective. So, you already have a walk with Christ. Now I understand that you know we all have different you know whatever's uh, in in regards to that. However, you want to define levels, tiers, uh, degrees, whatever. I, I don't care what you use, but just the thing is that we all have different walks uh, with Christ. But the point is, is that there's still a walk with Christ. My point to this is that the Spirit is already present the spirit will make it overwhelmingly apparent that this is the person that you're supposed to marry and you need to go ahead and move forward on it. Um, If you're asking the question, then maybe one, you need to check yourself in your relationship with Christ, or more importantly, I would say it's more so a sign of this ain't the person. You know, the spirit is more likely to be silent on the on the nose if you will as opposed to the yeses the yeses are going to be abundantly clear so gotcha. okay okay yeah I get, short, I get. short and sweet shows done mic drop
1: <laughs> i get what you're saying i get what you're saying it's like you will know if if you're ready to marry this person
2: y- yeah I, I mean it's it's not like you know i i know that people go into you know am i ready to buy a house and those sorts of things this isn't that kind of a question. It never should be that kind of a question because it's a spiritual thing as opposed to a physical, um, you know, a temporal kind of thing. We're talking about a forever um, relationship and the, the, it, it doesn't come from man. You know, when, when you read through a lot of the answers that this guy got, it's a lot of the, you know, well, you'll know God of this and, you know, it'll feel like this and it's like, no, no, the Spirit's just going to tell you, and you're going to know, and it's just going to happen. It's going to be there, or it's not. And if you're questioning, then it's probably not.
1: Yeah, I think whenever you're you're thinking about marriage, you have to, I think one, and you kind of said it, is if you're not a Christian, you need to have that relationship with Christ. Because you're not going to know how to be a, a, an ideal husband, a biblical husband, until Jesus is your biblical husband, and yes, that's for men as well.
2: <laughs> or, or wife.
1: Yeah, or wife, exactly. And so you read Scripture, and you see that relationship, and you see, okay, am I prepared to do what Christ did for, um, for the church? And, and I think that's kind of my what I go to, is look at Jesus in the Bible, and you think, it, you know, can I serve her? I, am I concerned with serving her? Uh, would I give my life for her? Would I live my life uh, for her, not necessarily just die? I think it's much easier to die for a person than to actually live for them. Uh, and one of the big things for me is, you know, we're all here for an individual purpose in our own personal lives. A- am I going to be able to help this person achieve that? Am I going to point her to Christ in, in, in a biblical, you know, biblical principles in scripture uh, can I wash her in the word? And and not saying all of this stuff has to be perfect before you get married, but I think you need to know that this is what is biblically required of a husband. I think you do need to understand what does the Bible say my responsibility is in this marriage. And if I'm not already, which I, we're never going to be there. We're never going to have arrived perfectly in that place. But I think we ask Jesus to, to conform us to be more like him in these areas throughout the marriage and just knowing, uh, I think I'd probably have more like, how do you know when you're not ready? And kind of like you were saying, Sean, you know, there's more screaming things that tells you you're not ready for marriage. So if go ahead. well,
2: e- even still all, all of those attributes that, that, uh, we get from, uh, the Bible, it tells us how to be, um, a, a good husband or a good wife. um, to me that's still not even are you ready for marriage um, because that first question is is you know is this the person and and that's that's what this guy is really asking is that how do I know that this is the person that I'm supposed to marry that, that that's really what he's asking because after that then you need to be going to your pastor and saying we're interested in getting married then your pastor should say okay well I do you know, um, marriage counseling or premarital counseling, or this, you know, we, we normally like to suggest that you go to this person for premarriage counseling. And, and then through that, you get those, that, that opportunity to have those discussions because frankly, he's not going to, even if he, even if he fundamentally knows he really needs to be having this discussion with the person that's supposed to be his future wife so that way they're both on the same page at the same time so when they're discussing how finances work biblically they're doing that together as opposed to trying to interject and it's always uh, well uh, instead of trying to figure that out together it's better to have that outside source that that sort of um that wise counsel to be able to to bring that in and say you know okay well You know i think you guys will make a great couple let's take a look at this from you know a a god perspective and how you guys need to be able to accomplish this so are you ready for marriage that that's a hard thing that has nothing to do with the the other attributes that comes next i I, i'd say that that's step two Uh, and 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 i think that's part of the problem is that so many times people are looking for that as the answer you know, how do I know that I'm ready for marriage? Well, you, you know, you don't. And it's that's like having kids. You're not ever really ready for marriage. You're not financially secure enough for marriage. You're never financially secure enough for marriage. You're never financially secure enough to have kids. It, it's just one of those things, you know, even when you think you have it all, you don't.
1: Right, right yeah, that's a good point. I think one thing that you know was kind of reiterated or what, what he said at the end of the question was, uh, at what point did you know she was the one? right? I would disagree with the concept of there is the one. Uh, this kind mm-hmm. of this kind of goes against our our good reformed brothers in Christ who thinks that God has preordained everything. I think we we, we choose who we want to marry and I think they choose who they want to marry. and uh, and if you've chosen each other, that's the one, the, the one that you've chosen. Whether or not there's some sort of sovereignty in that from God, sure. I'm sure there is. But I think, you know, we have this idea of there is one perfect one that is specifically set for us. And I think that's, that's difficult. I think that's hard to, to, to really understand because what about all the Christians who did find the one? And then later on, they weren't the one. Were they the one? I don't know. I think it's more about, and the other thing too is I think when you have the idea of the one, you're thinking, oh, this is, if she's the one, this marriage is going to function much more smoothly. We're going to get along all the time. We're not going to have issues and problems. If you approach it that way, then you get into the relationship for, you know, a couple hours and you're like, hold on, wait, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, then you get a couple weeks, a couple months, you know, a year or two and you're like, this isn't, what I thought it was supposed to be to marry the one. So I think not even saying that, well, let me go back. I'm not saying there's not a one for us, but I think we we can't think of it that way. I think because then we, we put a lot of false expectations on, on the one, because then we expect them to be all these things because they are that one. Sean, I know you disagree with me. You look like you're disagreeing with me. So go I, ahead and, and, and share your ab, thoughts ab, on
2: it. Absolutely, absolutely disagree. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe that there is a, a one that God does have intended for you, preordained, whatever you want to call that, but intended for you to be able to marry. Um, now, that does not mean that, say, you know, should uh, that person pass away, that there's not still another one out there for you. Um, I'm I'm not negating that. Um, I I'm I you know I may be a little more strict about uh, divorce, even though I know lots of folks who have had divorces, and I'm not downing anybody that's had a divorce. Um, as much as to say that, um, even if that was the one that you were supposed to marry. Now I don't mean again, should the you know death occur because it is till death do you part. There's a reason why we say that. Um, that you, that there isn't somebody else for you to be joined with. but but to say that um, you know God has intended for you to be with this person, um, assuming that you follow the Spirit's leading, then you're going to be with the right person. And from there, whether or not you work it out is based on your relationship with Christ. Um, I just, just saying. So you know whether whether you want to punch me in the face for it or not. That's that's my view on it. Um, uh, divorce okay. is. Well, no, I mean people in general. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, listeners, not you. Um, the divorce doesn't come up in my conversations with my wife. In, in regards to anything about us right when, when we have struggles fights uh ugliness occurs um divorce doesn't come up it's it's not an option it's it's not even feasible there there's there, there's no way around that and, and believe me we have challenges and, and we've got a lot of struggles things that that people divorce each other over um that have occurred in our lives multiple times That it's still not even even a topic there. And that's because she is the one that God had for me to be able to marry, prepared her for me, prepared me for her, not not perfectly, and we weren't perfect beforehand, but through those imperfections, prepared us for each other to be able to do whatever it is that we're doing um, in, in our lives. Now, you know, when you're talking about, expectations we always have expectations whether they're justifiable or not and the stigma of the one I you know honestly I had never had that uh, so when you're saying that stuff man I I don't even know what you're talking about you're kind of coming out of left field for me um, there there was never that that stigma of you know well everything's gonna go perfect and hunky-dory or whatever man to me it's it's like buying a used car not, not to downplay. Women are called the women used cars, but the thing is, is that you know you go into it and you go, th- there are going to be problems. Things are going to come up somewhere down the road. I'm going to have a flat tire. How am I going to deal with it? You know, there's no perfect relationship, so there's going to be issues. And and, and again, I think that's where premarriage counseling comes into play, um, because it really helps to be able to say, hey, you guys realize. That no matter what marriage is out there, you're going to encounter these things. People almost always argue over children, finances, uh, sex, and jobs, careers, yeah. and, and and those are those are some of those main things that we struggle with, and those are the some of the main things that cause divorce. And so when you go ahead and say, all right, well let's go ahead and start talking about these things. Where are you on them? And then you have you have realistic expectations. You have a realistic understanding of what's going on. Um so I you know, I would say for this guy, if if you if you think that this person is even, you know, the one that you're going to marry, if you feel like, yeah, no, the I, I really feel like spirit's leading me, you need to go to your pastor, sit down and, and ask for some premarriage counseling. Even if your pastor doesn't do it, at least who to go to, and if they don't know, then go find you somebody because it, it Honestly, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it wasn't even that I didn't know how to talk to her or that I had not discussed a lot of these things. There were more things that I hadn't thought to discuss with her that through prior relationships, I just didn't even even consider. And so they, they get brought up and you go, oh, wow, let's yeah, let's talk about this. Let's let's flesh this out.
1: Yeah, I I think you and I probably agree on everything, minus the, the the theology of God preordaining one person for you to marry. I
2: didn't say that.
1: Okay, well, I, I didn't say you, you said God has well, well You said you believe that that God has a person that we are supposed to marry. Is that?
2: But 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 I also didn't say that the Bible said that.
1: Okay, okay, all right, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's understandable. See, and, and again, I, I'm coming from thinking about what maybe a Reformed theologist would say, and that God has preordained every single thing that's going to happen in our life, including the person we marry, even somehow other stuff. But, uh, but I mean, you know, kind of going back to that real quick, the point you made about, you know, if the person dies and you remarry, I, I think to me that's where I question that, because I, I had a thought process too, and I heard it for so long, like God has the one for you. And we are still called to follow the Holy Spirit. But if the person that's for you doesn't follow the Holy Spirit, there's a breakdown and someone does die. Do you marry somebody else as the one? So from a theological aspect, I would say I still have, I, I, I don't fully understand or have settled on the idea that God has chosen the one for us. Uh, but I think uh, to, to help to help our brother in Christ here, going on to the practical aspects of it and thinking, you know, how, how do we prepare ourselves to be a good spouse? I think uh, I'm trying to be as helpful as possible in this situation because you know, this gentleman, he, he, he seems to feel like he, she's the one. And right. so how, how can we help him <clears throat> with the next step? Like, you know, before they say I do, and maybe some, maybe, maybe we'll do a different, maybe round five, like, you know, tips for a healthy marriage or, or top, healthy marriage thing, stuff like that. But uh, what what can we do to help our brother right now and tell him to kind of prepare him for this step? And um, and I would say, you know, kind of like you said, you're never really fully prepared. Like, you're not. Uh, cousin of mine, engaged, you know, and, and I would tell him all the time, I'm like, look, man, you're never going to be ready to, to pull the trigger and actually marry this person. I was like, because... You know, and it does go back to a lot of people have the, you know, you got to test drive a car before you buy it. And (laughs) (laughs) people say that. And, uh, you know, you got to try to milk for you buy the cow. All all sorts of weird dynamics to that whole entire discussion. But the idea is you got to try the marriage thing out first before you actually commit to it. Otherwise, you might regret it. And I'm like, you got to make a decision. Like the decision has to be made. Like Sean said. I, I'm more of a traditionalist too. I believe that when you marry someone, it is until death do you part. Yes, you can't control the other person. You can't determine whether or not they're going to be dedicated to you until you die or until they die. But you have to dedicate yourself to them and to the person they're going to become. This is a, a idea that was that was I heard, and it really, really, really helped me. And, and And I've only honestly done one other brief premarital counseling for a wedding I did. But one of the things I made sure I reiterated, I was like, we all change throughout time. Every single one of us. We have different interests, different likes, different hobbies, different goals, aspirations. We all change. You know, all this stuff is fleeting. And uh, I think you have to understand that the person you're marrying is not going to be the same person you married today. They're not. And you have to understand that and be okay with that. you got to understand you're making a pledge to God that you're going to love this person no matter what and that you're pledging to this person, I'm going to love you no matter how much you change. I think that's one of the biggest things because people say we grow apart. And I'm like, you might not have the same interest, but you still love the person whether or not. And and probably one of my favorite things I've ever heard um, Ron Carpenter say and I don't, you know, don't agree with all his theology necessarily, but one of the things he said in marriage I thought was, was fantastic. He said, you know, people say my feelings went away, right? They say I fe- I fell out of love with this person because the feelings went away. He said, no, you love the person until the feelings come back. And I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. That was probably one of the best pieces of marital, marital advice that I heard, especially in regards to the we grew apart, we don't carry about each other the way we used to. And uh, So for me, that was one of the biggest things. So understand you're marrying the person who they are now and who they're going to become in the future. Uh, Understand that love is the actionable thing that you do for them, regardless of the feeling. Like, you know, being called to love your neighbor isn't to feel all mushy and gushy about them. It's called to take care of them, no matter how you feel about them. And uh, so the, the, those are kind of two of my top things, like going into the marriage, trying to, you know, my, my premarital advice. Sean, what are some things that you got? Um,
2: <clears throat> well, I really, I, I guess you can say it's only three pieces. Uh, the first one is um, to make sure that um, you have that relationship with Christ first and foremost. Um, both my wife and I were not ready for marriage until, uh, that took place in our lives. And that was before we even, uh, got together. So, and we recognized that that was necessary for us in, in order to be ready for marriage. Uh, so if you're not already saved, if you're not already developing a relationship with Christ or have a relationship with Christ, that first and foremost, sort of coinciding with that is to make sure that the person that you're even interested in, or not even talking about marriage just yet, um, but I would always recommend courtship over dating. Um, are you equally yoked? Because more often than not, when you have divorce, even in Christian, and I I would use air quotes there, but my hands are cold, um, that uh, they're just not equally yoked. Now, you know, there's discussion about, well, what does that really mean? What does that look like? And that brings me to the second part. Uh, you need to seek out Christian counseling. So whether it's it's from your pastor or uh, sociopaths or whoever does that sort of thing, or if you have to actually go and seek out some other professional paid um, uh, Christian counselor, I would definitely recommend it. Um, and, and largely because they're going to bring to the table an unbiased perspective. They're going to look at the two of you individually, and then collectively, they're going to be able to help lead you in those ways of um, what is hopefully uh, sound theology and what how it applies to daily life. Then... You're you're going to have the answers that that you're really looking for, so you know when you're when you're sitting down, you're having a discussion with somebody um, about pornography. Are you really going to be truthful with them? But when you're in counseling, it's imperative for you to be absolutely brutally honest, because you know one heck you're you're probably paying for it, and even if you're not, this is just that important. And so, if you're having to sit there and say, "All right, honey, I have a problem with pornography," you need to have that discussion, you know. Um, And that's usually when it comes out the easiest. is when you're in a counseling kind of setting, as opposed to, you know, "All right, well, I'm hoping to, you know, get the first base tonight." So I definitely ain't telling her I got a problem with pornography tonight. You know what I mean? Um, It's just there's all sorts of extra motives and. And and Satan just loves to muck up all that stuff, so you know, get get in with some uh, solid uh, wise counsel.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, and, and
2: and and I'm sorry with that. Don't listen to everybody else. Don't post it on Facebook. Don't ask that question because everybody's <laughs> wrong.
1: Sorry, I'll say not not everybody's always right. I want to say except everybody's wrong all the time, but except um, for me. I,
2: I'm the only one that's right
1: even in regards to the counseling you know I, I'm a big fan of mentorship I think that's very important so I, I think Christian couples need mentor mentors in their relationship find a, a Christian couple and because you know it's different to you know usually when you go to counseling you, you're usually discussing issues that you already have and there's different things like that there's usually a preset time I think it's good to have a another Christian couple who have been married longer than you have who might have been through a thing or two, maybe had some tough quarrels in their lives and maybe some rough spots in their marriage as well. And that way they can help you through these, you know, the, the regular everyday things. You can text them and say, hey, you know, I'm feeling this way or, or X, Y, Z, and they can kind of help guide you through that. And uh, and a lot, a lot of bigger churches might have, like, a couples, counselor people type, but not every church has that. So even if you just find an older Other people in the church that you can uh, somehow correspond with don't necessarily have to be best friends with them, but at least get some some godly wisdom from them. And that's important. And and like Sean said, don't share all your problems with everybody. I think one of the things that's been the biggest compliment to uh, to Sarah and I from some of our friends is that we never complain about each other. And like even my niece, 16 year old niece that lives with us, you know, she told my wife one time, she says, I've never heard you complain about Uncle Jason. And, and I know he's not perfect. And she said, well, there's no reason to tell anybody else our issues. Like, we address them with each other. And, and I know Sean's mentioned this before in the past, but communication is, is huge. You, you need to make sure you have that open line of communication where they can trust that, that you won't retaliate toward them for them sharing honest feelings. And let them know, yes, you can come to me anytime about anything. And I'll be open-minded and won't try to shut you down as a sub-defensive mechanism. And um, but yeah, I mean, there's there, there's a lot of great things you can do to really uh, help the health of your marriage. But I, I think Sean hit it on the head. The very first thing is you need to you need to have Christ in your life. He he he's got to be foundational for that marriage. He, he's really got to be because if you don't start off on foundation, I mean, you can not saying that non Christians have not become Christians in their marriage be fine like being married as non-Christians but you know, if you're a Christian individual listen to this being equally yoked is very important and missional marriage is not the best idea and uh and what i mean by that is oh well i'll marry her and i'll lead her to Christ through our marriage and that's not the wisest decision i'll say it's not the wisest i'm not saying you're sinful or you know, anything like that. But it's tough. It, it's hard. Yeah,
2: you you you're probably not listening to the spirit at that point.
1: Yeah. And and I would just advise against that. But if you're both Christians, if you're both dedicated to each other, I say go for it. And uh and get some good people in your life to help you walk this thing out. So I hope that was helpful. Uh you know, a lot of times uh I hate theology without application and even though Sean and I might differ a little bit on the theological aspect in a way or two or whatever. Uh, I think we both agree with the practical walking, got the Christian walk. So that's it for the show this week. Uh, if anybody else has any questions, like I, I really enjoy talking about this kind of stuff. And I think this is a better format. I, I do Bible with Bordeaux, but having Sean here and us talking about things, I think that really helps with these more serious issues. Uh and this is what I would consider a, a very serious issue in general. Something needs to be taken seriously. And uh so if you have any idea, any good topics, questions that you've had for something like this, please send them in. Uh Solomon's Porch Podcast at gmail.com. You can whatever form of communication you have uh with the show or myself, Sean's not too big on social media, so uh, <laughs> he's got even though he's got a lot of great wisdom. He, he doesn't necessarily get on social media to share that. That's exclusively for this show. Just think about it, y'all. You were so fortunate to get Sean's thoughts, because this is the only place where he really shares them in a public sphere. That's amazing. Sean exclusive right here. It is. It is. Here on Solomon's Porch Podcast. So uh, we're going to be ending out the show this week with Letter Black and their new song, which I have at some point. What's the name of their new song, Sean? rise (laughs) yeah rise Rise. naming a new song rise don't forget if you're listening to this via podcast we do have youtube you can go check us out there if you're watching via youtube the show is available on podcast and on the podcast we play music so that's that's the main difference that in the podcast you get the content quicker than you do youtube because youtube we try to space it out and so yeah man that's it for the show this week thank you so much for tuning in And we'll be back with another show soon.